Well, welcome to week one of Stay Positive. Last week, we took a detour from this series to talk about the issue that our nation is embroiled in, and that is the issue of racism. Uh, I invite you, if you weren't attending online or in one of our locations, to take some time this week. Uh, download the Timber Creek Church podcast, and you can listen there, or you can watch on our TimberCreekChurch.com website. Uh, our response to being quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, how we deal with, uh, how not we deal in our own understanding, but how biblically we're to respond uh, when things are on fire like this. And so make sure you, you check that out. Before I jump into this morning's message, I want to give you another opportunity that is uh, this last week, just a couple of days ago, one of my friends contacted me and immediately I knew I needed to talk to you about it. And let me set it up by saying, at Timber Creek Church, we say it like this, your God-given potential is our mission. God has designed us to know him personally, to find freedom from what's holding us back, to discover the purpose of our, of our life on this side of heaven, and then to truly make a difference, maybe not in the world, but in our world, to make the difference for the kingdom of God. And that is your God-given potential wrapped up in a nutshell. And the best way we begin to discover that and begin to engage that is if we're just, we just want to be a, the church here. We want to be a great church. The best thing we could do for our communities is be a great church in our community. But then also we want to empower the church there. Where is there? There is wherever is not here. And so that's Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. So that would be Lufkin, Nacogdoches, and the, the, the prison venues, and our different uh, uh, language-speaking venues. And then beyond our nation, and beyond our own state, and be in our globe, we want to empower the church locally and globally. And so we have partnerships with like-minded missionaries and like-minded ministry-based initiatives all across the globe. And I want you to know that when you give in a traditional church, uh, usually it kind of looks like um, I give into the general fund and into a building fund and, you know, don't have, the don't have any fun fund, <laughs> whatever that fund is, and, uh, you know, the missions fund. Uh, but here it's, it's all one mutual fund. Now l let me explain that. When you give, your giving goes towards, part of it goes towards our missionaries. Part of it goes towards the water wells we dig. Part of it goes towards the prison venues. Part of it goes towards the lights. Part of it goes towards the snacks for kid works. Part of it goes towards our staffing. Part of it goes towards keeping the lights on. Like Part of it goes towards creating community destinations where anyone can find and follow Jesus. It's like being a part of an awesome kingdom-minded kingdom mutual fund. And within that mutual fund, there are different ministry initiatives. And one that we're really, really proud to partner with is Project Rescue. Project Rescue, for the last 20 years, has been rescuing women and their children out of the generational cycle of sex trafficking, sex and human trafficking. And we are in Europe and Africa and India uh, helping globally. Uh, locally and nationally, we have other arms that are addressing human trafficking even here uh, in, in America. But Project Rescue is one of our global responsibilities. Now, I can count less than, than a handful of times over the last four years that we have done a special dedicated offering. 
On occasion, we will do a, a special emphasis on feeding children and educating them and partnering with the church in Haiti and then also with this partner, Project Rescue. But I want to share with you an email I got last week from our, our partners. And I wanted to take the time before we get into Stay Positive to let you know something really, really cool. Here's from David and Beth Grant, the founders of Project Rescue. Hey, Pastor Jeremy, last week we received a desperate plea from one of the Project Rescue leaders in India. I've been there. I've been there to the, to the red light district where uh, women are in that cycle and they can't get out. We've planted a church in the middle of that. I've been to the church uh, where the pews were full of women looking for hope but also stuck in the bond. Like, why don't they just escape? Because it's not just a physical thing. It's an emotional, spiritual uh, thing. So there in India, they just heard this this plea. He was facing a new challenge, and it's one we've never encountered. Now listen in, everybody, wherever you're watching from. Because of the coronavirus crisis in India, curfews, economic devastation, and the strict laws, listen to this, the red light districts have been virtually shut down. Wow. Wow. And here's what's happening. Because no one's out, because they have much more strict laws than Texas, I can promise you, in India. Um, they are very strict with the coronavirus. These red light districts are being shut down, and the women and children are being sent away because the madams of the brothels aren't wanting to take care of them and feed them and help them because they got no money coming in. So they're sending them away. You're not our problem anymore. But with this opportunity comes crisis. These women and children have no money, no means of support, and no path to a new life. They are saying, we want to leave the brothels, but our children are starving. Please help us. So working with the site leaders, we have a plan to provide food, clothing, health care, job training, and discipleship, the ultimate path to a new life, but the window is short. When the restrictions are lifted, sexual slavery will resume. We don't have the luxury of a long-term campaign to raise funds. We're asking for you to help us act right now. I don't, uh, I think we ought to pray about things. I, I don't turn anybody's arm. That's not what we're about here. Uh, we, but I want to give you an opportunity to pray about something that, that as I heard this, I thought, I want our church to respond. And there in the red light district, here's what I'm calling this special opportunity for us. I'm calling it Project Rescue Green Light. We're going to get, we're turning the red light into the green light, everybody. That's what we're doing Right there with the women and the church were reached. We're right there, opportunity to get them out of that cycle of bondage. And so on Father's Day, I couldn't, I couldn't think of a better day than on a Father's Day, the heart of our ultimate almighty Father, to see those that are oppressed be set free. We're going to take a special offering on Father's Day and all throughout that week. I want you to pray about it for this week. See what God might call you to do. We're going to match those funds up to a specific amount. More details on that to come. And we have another partner outside of this church, a nonprofit, that's going to match our funds with us. So you're going to be like triple giving when you give to help rescue women and their children because the light is green, everyone. So be praying about that. Come on, isn't that exciting? You thought COVID wasn't gonna bring anything good? Woo! God turned something for good, everybody. Wow. All right, back to stay positive. How do you stay positive in the middle of a world that is addicted to negativity? We're addicted to it. 
We, we don't slow traffic down for positive things. We slow down traffic for wrecks. Last week, I gave us some practical advice for dealing with the issues at hand. One of those pieces of advice was to embrace Embrace the inconvenience of compassion. You don't just like, it's not lined up for you to be compassionate. It's going to come to you when it feels inconvenient. But we have to embrace our neighbor. We have to love our neighbor even if it inconveniences us. But I also said above everything, the word of God shows us, above all else, guard your heart. Above everything you do, guard your heart. Because everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from from the inside out. So the question I would ask if I'm you or if I'm me, how? How do we guard our heart? Because everything flows out of that. Well, the Apostle Paul in the book of Philippians gives us a roadmap. He's in the middle of a prison. He's been imprisoned several times. He has been taken out of the city and stoned with rocks. He has been flogged with a whip on his back more than three times. He has been shipwrecked. And from prison, he's writing these words. Here's how you do it. Here's how above all else you guard your heart. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again. Remix. Rejoice. You got to rejoice It's worth saying again, and it's worth saying again. you got to find the joy of the Lord, which is your strength. And he doesn't stop there, because like, how do we rejoice in the middle of unrejoiceful, anxious times? Well, he says, okay, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And that's that's not like, I'm watching you, be gentle. It really means, it means God started this world with a perfect garden, and he's going, he's going to end what we understand is the perfect with a new heaven, a new earth, a new garden. And we're in the middle of this story of God making all things new. And that time, there is a generation that will be the final generation. There will be an hour that will be the final hour. And in the meantime, we want to be prepared with the right response. We want to be prepared that we would, gentleness would be evident. Now, let me just back up and ask you the question. Is that how your kids would describe you? Because I know that if I'm being honest, I got some work to do on this one right here. Gentleness is not weakness. It's, it's strength under control. He goes on to say, don't be anxious about anything. Anything? Anything, yeah. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, we can pray. It's hard for us to pray with thanksgiving sometimes. I'm going to talk about that during this series. How to pray with thanksgiving you got to present your requests to God. Do you know how my kids ask me for stuff? You know how they ask me? They ask me. I wonder how many of you, your, your, your heavenly father is ready to give you gifts, ready to speak, ready to meet you right where you are, but you're not asking him. You're not talking with him. And just like my kids say, hey, dad, can I, could I, would I, would you, will I, won't you? We, we have to learn how to respond to God through our prayer and our petitions. And here's the response that we get from God. The peace of God which transcends all your understanding. It don't even make sense the kind of peace you can experience. It will guard your heart. Guard your heart for everything you do flows out from it. If you'll do these things, rejoice, don't be anxious, pray about everything, do it with thanksgiving. The peace of God will come. That's his promise. And it will guard your hearts and your minds. Our hearts and our minds in the word of God, are in, in, they are inseparable. There's a connectivity with our heart and the way we think. 
In order to stay positive, we don't start by our actions. We actually back it up and we go from the inside out. And so if you're taking notes there in the fill in the blanks online, on the app, here in in our physical locations, uh, I'd invite you to, to, to take some notes today. Let's start with this thought. All behavior is based on a belief. All behavior is based on a belief. We start with our kids saying, why did you do that? What were you thinking exactly? You hear things like this. I thought it'd be a good idea at the time. It wasn't a good idea. It wasn't a good thought. What were you thinking? I'll tell you what you were thinking. You weren't thinking. No, they were. They just weren't thinking the right things. Behind all behavior is based on a belief. Now, now let's carry it a little bit further. Behind every sin is a lie you and I believe. So sin is not in the activity. Sin is not the activity you commit. It's the, it's the authority you reject. Let me say it again. Sin is not in the activity you commit, the thing you do. It's in whose authority you reject. Sin says, I'm in charge. I make a better God for myself than God makes for me. And based on me wanting to be in charge of my emotions, in charge of my feeling, in charge of my decisions, in charge of my finances, you name it, behind every sin is a lie that I'm beginning to believe. Let me back up and let me say it this way. A lot of people, they don't have a problem giving 10% of their income. In fact, every single, 100% of us, 100% of us, you give 10% of your income. It's just not to the local church. It's to Home Depot or Lowe's or McDonald's or whatever. You give that 10%, and you know that a lot of people don't even know where that 10% goes. It's just like, where did it go? They just give it. And so when people have a problem with tithing, which is 10% of the income, into the local church in order to expand the kingdom of God, that mutual fund I was talking about, it's not so much in the giving because we all give 10% anyway. It's actually in the thinking. I, I don't need to do that. I, I couldn't do that. There's no way. How am I going to be able to start that? And it it's, it's really starts not with the activity of giving. It starts with the thinking about giving. Behind every sin is a lie I'm believing. This, this affair will make me happy. As long as I'm not hurting anybody. Um. I deserve this. Behind every sin is a lie. It's not about the committing of the sin. You back up, and it doesn't start with changing behavior. Because, write this down, trying to change my behavior without changing my mind is a waste of time. If all our mechanisms for raising our kids is, don't do that, do this, cut it out, The church for a long time, and still is, if it's not careful, is a lot about behavioral modification. Don't do this, don't do that. Only laugh if you're laughing at how dumb the devil is, bless God. Only wear a t-shirt with his face on it. Three nails equals four given. If you're going to listen to music, you better listen to that Christian music, not that, none of their stuff. And we think that the behavioral modification, it's listening to the music that gets me closer to God. But I want to tell you that it all starts from the inside out. 
Does our, do our friends on the outside affect the, way, affect the way we act? Yeah, eventually. Yeah. What we listen to, what we watch, all that has to do with how we think, but it doesn't start out here. It starts on the inside out. In fact, the prophet Isaiah is the voice, is the mouthpiece for God, and he's prophetically speaking the words of God when he says this. These people show honor to me with words, but their hearts are far from. See, we can come in, here's, here's why, here's how we can come into a church service, get our proverbial praise on, feel good, God, I surrender, walk out and do the same things we're praying we don't want to do because, because we have an emotional experience, but we've not been changed from the inside out by the way we think because every behavior is based on a belief. Now, why is this so important? Why is it so important that we understand this process? Write it down. Because our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Your life is dictated by the strongest thoughts. So if all you're thinking about is that person who's not your spouse, watch it. Because your life will move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. If your life lust is a God-given desire gone haywire. And if we feed a God-given desire and we feed it in the wrong way, it becomes lust. It goes haywire. It short circuits and your life moves in the direction of your strongest thoughts. The book of Romans is considered uh, like the constitution for the Christ follower. When Paul writes Romans, it's like uh, we the people, we the God followers. And in Romans 8, Paul says it like this. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature, it's not the devil that made you do it. Those that are dominated by the sinful nature, they think about sinful things. When I was a kid and my, I guess my parents, I thought that I would reach their hearts by being more spiritual than I was. It's, oh, the devil made me do it, mom. The devil made you sneak into the closet and unwrap the Christmas presents four days after Thanksgiving. The devil made you do that. The devil made me do it. Let's pray. No, go to your room. You're getting spanking. <laughs> like, I want to blame it on the devil, but it's actually, it was sinful thoughts. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit that guides us into all truth, that equips us, that comforts us, that, that gives us direction, that teaches us how to pray when we don't even know how to pray. Those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. There's a huge connection on the way we think about stuff. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to what, everybody? Yeah, you don't want to go down that path. Just being, being driven by glands, being driven by thoughts, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and whew, calm, equilibrium, balance in, a, in an unbalanced world. So let, let me break it down a little bit more like this. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. Um, the way I think, that begins to affect the way I feel. As I think about something, it will strengthen the way I feel about something. 
think affects the way I feel. The way I feel affects the way I act. Now, I will say that not all of us go through that process. I know that I don't follow that process in every single thing. Sometimes in the middle of like a crazy moment on the road, I may act before I think. I know some of you, given the Hawaiian hello, telling them you're number one. I saw you coming out of the church parking lot. You act, then you thought about it. Ooh, I wonder if, you know, I wonder if they, they know I'm from Timber Creek because I got that sticker on the back of my car. You act, and then you think about it, and then you feel, right? People act on an emotion, act on a, on a hormone, then they think about it, they feel bad, or they feel bad, and then they think about it, right? But it's, we, can, we can do all this, but I want to tell you that really the process, it strengthens by the way we think about something, which causes us to feel which then causes us to act. Now, we say it like this at Timber Creek. We want to be, as we're growing in Christ-likeness, that means that we're not just growing long hair and a beard and we're looking Swedish, although Jesus wasn't Swedish. He was Middle Eastern. We, we're not growing like Jesus as far as looks. We're growing in Christ-like convictions, character, and conduct. The convictions of Jesus, the character of Jesus, and the conduct of Jesus. And so if you look... The way I think, that's my convictions. The way I feel, that's the, the, the compilation, the synergy of the way I think, the way I feel and act, the way I think, feel, and act. That begins to, that begins to chip away at the, the rock, the granite that begins to produce the statue of my character. And it's either good character or it's bad character. The more I think, the more I feel. The way I feel produces the way I act, which is my conduct my convictions my character and conduct are made of the ways I think I feel and I act can I tell you if you're jealous it's not because like I'm jealous it's because you're thinking jealous thoughts do you know it's not the stress of your work that, that, that's that's making you crazy it's the way you're thinking about the stress of your work that's making you crazy it's not, it's not just the, it's not them driving you crazy. It's the way you're thinking about how they're behaving that's causing you to feel a certain way, that's leading you to act a certain way. And your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. They're just driving me crazy. You gave them the steering wheel. Like you said, drive, boss. And the way you think is dictated by who? <laughs> well, we're going we're, we're gonna to talk about that. So it's a question I want to I ask myself, a question I'm inviting you to ask. Um, am I excited about the direction my thoughts are taking me? Are you excited about it? Is your spouse excited about it? Is Jesus pleased? with it are, are you okay with the directions your thoughts take you because I want you to know it's not just the devil that made me do it it is the process that we go through and it starts with guarding our hearts and minds another constitutional statement out of the book of Romans Paul says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. If it feels good, do it. Whatever your strongest urge, if loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. 
No, that's wrong. That's just wrong. You know that song, if loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. It's about a guy who's being unfaithful to his spouse. Don't copy the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing. Now listen, salvation is a change. Salvation is from death to life. But the process of renewing our mind is a changing. It, it, it happens over time. It takes some time. Salvation is not what you did or what you could pay for. It's been bought by a precious price, and it's the blood of the one and only Son of God, Jesus Christ. On the cross at Calvary for you and for me, salvation is bought for you. It's a free gift. Choose it. Accept it. Embrace it. But then as far as freedom goes and as far as changing the way you think, it is a process. The word transformed there is the same word, metamorphosis, uh, that, that root word for what a moth goes through, or pardon me, what a, what a, yeah, what a caterpillar goes through to go from a caterpillar to a butterfly. And it starts from inside the cocoon. It's not the outside elements that change. It starts from the inside and the metamorphosis, the transformation starts from the inside out. And so when we talk about a sermon series called Stay Positive, it's not going to be something that you grab off the shelf and eat in order for it to change you. It's going to be something that happens supernaturally from the inside. And so I want to help us start the journey to stay positive. And here's what we're going to do as a church body. If you're watching online, if you're dipping the toe in the water at church. By the way, if you are, if you're going out to Tijuana's, if you're going out to Antipastas, it's time to come home. It's time to come back to Timber Creek. We're missing you. We got a seat with your name on it. Not really your name on it. We don't do those things here, but we got empty seats. They're a big deal. And we're inviting you to come back. It's time, everybody. Let's go, let's go. But we got to stay positive, and here's what we're doing. For the next four weeks leading up to Independence Weekend, July 4th weekend, I can't think of, of another, another thing of independence that we ought to be celebrating just like our American independence. There ought to be some independence that you and I are experiencing from our negative thoughts, from our stinking thinking it's driving you down a road you don't want to go so i'm asking you give jesus and give this church and give this time on sunday give it your next four weeks and see just see if jesus doesn't change you from the inside out now does that look like this okay god <laughs> like beam me up you know no, there's some practical steps that you and I take. You got two feet in a heartbeat. You got to take some steps, right? You don't need a, you don't need a mind transplant. You, mean, you need a mind transformation, all right? Jesus transforms us one thought at a time. So the first, the first step, if you really want to begin this journey of staying positive, you got to own your part. As I mentioned already, so many people are driven by that boss, driven by that issue, driven by not enough money at the end of the month, driven by this circumstance, driven by they've tried to lose the weight and they haven't done it and they're driven by that feeling and that, 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 that frustration just builds another thinking and a feeling and an acting and it's a vicious cycle. I've, I've been down that road. I've been down that road um, struggling with my, with my weight 
And this last year, having a lot of weight loss, there's some physical decisions I made. But can I tell you that what I realized is in order for me to continue in this journey, it's not really the physical decisions I make. It's not the actions first. It's the thinking first. And I can tell you, you think about, well, I'll start Monday. You think about, I'll never lose it. You start thinking about the number on the scale versus thinking about the way you feel then producing the actions based on that process, that, that's how, I promise you, just another fad diet, if you don't change the way you think, you're probably going to end with the same results. And it's not about thinking, I just want to lose weight. It's more about thinking, how do I want to feel? What, 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 how, how, do I wanna, what, how does God want me to feel? And you got to own your, you got to own your part. You know, you may say it like this, I'm responsible for my thoughts. Your spouse isn't responsible for those thoughts. The boss that's driving you nuts, you're like, I want to quit my job. That boss is driving you crazy. you got to stop giving them the steering wheel, like I've said. Okay, so how do we own our part? Again, we go to the book of Corinthians. The apostle Paul gives us so much practical handlebars. Great wisdom. He says it like this, so you're in good company. Can I tell you, as a pastor, I think the wrong thoughts sometimes. As a pastor, I, I, I say things I ought not to have said. Not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a follower of Jesus. And I am no more perfect. I am no more elevated. I am physically elevated on a platform. But I've got flesh just like you've got flesh. I've got responsibilities just like you have got responsibilities. With every equal responsibility, with, with, with privileges come an equal amount of responsibility. And I've got a lot of privileges. I've got a lot of responsibility. And I'm responsible for my thoughts. The Apostle Paul says, we're human. You're human. Give yourself a break. We're human. All right? Humans are faulty. Humans are imperfect. Made in the image of God, but you have a sin nature. You have this, you have this, uh, uh, this, this process that just, it invite, the flesh invites you to make wrong decisions. We're human, but we don't wage war as humans do. So it's not just enough willpower by itself. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning. Do you know the more you think the wrong thoughts... The more you think the lies of the enemy, the more you feel a certain way, the more you act a certain way, that builds brick by emotional, brick by thinking brick. It builds walls that actually keep you from seeing the truth. And all of a sudden, you just assume that this is the lie I meant to, this is my truth, this is your truth, this is just kind of the way things are. They don't have to be. But it can become a stronghold of human thinking, of human reasoning. we got to destroy those false arguments. I'll never get past this. This just is who I am. I think I just, I just want to be happy, right? We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. Your pride, I got this, will keep you from surrendering your mind to Jesus. We destroy those proud obstacles and we capture rebellious thoughts like a kid picking up fireflies in a jar, like Rocky Balboa catching that chicken. Get him, Rock! We capture those thoughts and teach them, teach them to obey Christ. So we got to own our part, though. You can't keep blaming this person who just, I can't help the way they did this to. Own your part. 
And number two, you got to set a trap for your runaway thoughts. You got to set a trap for it. You got to think about it. You got to be cunning because you and I got runaway thoughts. They just like roadrunner and they're gone. Runaway thoughts. You're thinking about your grocery list right now. Pay attention. Runaway thoughts. You got to set a trap. Now, I'm no I'm not a hunter. It's not because I don't want to be. It's because I grew up with a dad who's not a hunter. And so because I didn't grow up in that, I really never took opportunity. Um, But I know enough hunting friends to pretty much be a pro. No, I'm kidding. I know I've got friends that hunt. And here's what I do know. If you're going to go deer hunting, right, Um, it starts way before one morning, and you're like, I'm going to kill a deer in the backyard. Like it... It starts with a process. You look for the right place and you look for the right patterns and you start to take pictures in those places and you may even, you're looking for scrapes and you're looking for seasons and you're looking, okay, now I'm going to, you know, I I don't know what all you do. You you pick up the poop, you smell it. (sighs) That's a 24 point right there. Oh, Savannah! Like, like, I don't know what you do. You take the time to build the blind, or to build the tree stand, to, to set up the blind, till finally you get to that place, you take it down, you, you, you set it all up for the kill. And you can't just bite your bottom lip and hope to make it through all the negative thoughts that can bombard you. You've got to set a trap for your runaway thoughts because you and I will have runaway thoughts. We'll have them. You got to set a trap for them. I'm going to give you a couple of very simple things. Like like I mentioned earlier, lust is a God-given desire gone haywire, and that can affect men and women. That's not gender-specific, but let me talk to the guys. So like Guys, if you struggle with lust, there's a, there's a process. There's a setting a trap for a runaway thought. You see a beautiful, you see a pretty woman at, uh, walking down the street, pretty woman, the kind you'd like to meet. Um, you, you see a pretty woman at Walmart. <laughs> and <laughs> my wife shops there. So you see a pretty woman at Walmart. Let me tell you this. It's not about not noticing a pretty woman. Okay? It's not about, like, attract, attraction is there. You, I'm a, I'm a Christ follower, but I'm also a man. Like, I know good looking, I want to see it. All right? I know I'm your pastor and all of you are beautiful, but I know what good looking looks like to me. Okay? So, if I see someone who's attractive, and they're not my wife, I've got a choice to make. I have to set a trap for a runaway thought. And I call this trap the look and turn. The look and turn. You looked and you turn. I don't mean you look, 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 and then turn down the aisle and follow the yoga pants. I mean, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> You, you look, okay, let me show you, let me show you how this works, okay. Everybody in the room, wherever you are, look that way. Everybody look that way. Everybody look that way. Look, 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 look. 
And on three, you're going to turn the other way. One, two, three, turn. <laughs> Look at that. You did it. That's what look and turn looks like. Sometimes you got to set a trap because it's those little things that just the devil wants to and just lure you in. One look, one thought, one feeling, <clears throat> one action at a time. And it all starts with set a trap for your runaway thoughts. Scripture says it. We capture those rebellious thoughts. Stop it. No. That's not how I'm going to think about this. We capture them. And then you know what we do? We don't just capture them and they become our pets. No. You got to teach them. You got to teach those thoughts. Sit. Stay. Roll over. Stay. Stay. You got to teach those thoughts. You got to teach your kids. It's not about the behavior. It's about their thinking that needs to be transformed. Do you, know, do you understand this is the importance of, of making church a priority for your family and for your kids? Because that isn't just about behavior of coming to church. It's about the thinking. It's about the feeling. It's about the community. It's, being, it's about the surrounding that all affects part of our actions. And we teach them to obey Christ. Let me show you this. Theology, theology is not how we teach our thoughts to obey. It's, it's a good thing to have. And let me show you what theology is. Th theology basically is man's thoughts about God. Man's thoughts about God. So the way I think about God, that creates theology. It can be poor theology. It can be biblical theology. It can be weird theology. But theology is man's thoughts about God. Is that the best place for you to feed and teach your thoughts. Mm, no. Psychology. Psychology is an important part. But psychology would be described as basically man's thoughts about himself. And so I'm, I'm, I'm sitting and I'm thinking. And what does that... I'm thinking about my thoughts and, and, and about my actions. And okay, you keep doing that behavior. You were feeling a certain way when you decided to act on that. What is driving that feeling? Was it... You know, you're, was it this in your childhood? Was it, was it this thing that you're thinking about yourself? Do you feel like you don't deserve this? Do you feel like you just have, so, you have that self-hatred? What, what, what are you thinking in your mind that's causing those feelings that's leading you to those actions? And psychology, understanding the process. Yes, we can teach our thoughts, but that's not the only place. Philosophy is another thing. People want to chase down the right philosophy to understand life, the right psychologist to understand life, the right theology, the right denomination to understand life but philosophy is basically man's thoughts about man's thoughts now we're getting deep okay like philosophy is this cycle of me thinking about the way I'm thinking and stepping inside of myself in this philosophical if God built a rock bigger than himself could he lift it like like that's don't think those thoughts man's thoughts about man's thoughts is a is a philosophical process let me take it one step further the Bible. If, if you and I are going to teach our thoughts to obey, instead of going from what man thinks about God, instead of going about what man thinks about himself, instead of going from the starting point of man's thoughts about man's thoughts, do you know what the Bible is? The Bible is God's thoughts. 
about himself and us. The Bible isn't just a history book. There's history. It's a road, it's a roadmap. It's a, it's a lifeline. It's the moral compass. It's his thoughts about who he is and who you are. And so if you're going to teach your thoughts, thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against him, that I might not that I might overcome those feelings that lead to those actions. So you and I, we gotta take our thoughts to school. You don't let your fifth grader decide after 17 weeks of spring break whether they're gonna go into sixth grade or not. You're gonna take that kid to school for your own sanity and for theirs. You're gonna take them to school. You gotta, you gotta take your thoughts to school. You gotta catch them. Don't let them be runaway. You gotta form them up and you gotta take them to school. Now the word, the world wants to say, chase your dreams. But when we use the word of God as the moral compass, the world might say, chase your dreams. You're human, chase your dreams. But Jesus would say, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and the other stuff can follow, but seek him first. The world will say, I can't be happy unless I have this or I marry this or I skip that or I act on this. I just, I can't be happy. unless." But Jesus says, I've learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. That, that's how we can be trained up by the word of God. Culture will tell you if it feels good. But Jesus will say, he knew it wasn't going to feel good. And in the Garden of Gethsemane facing horror he says not my will but yours be done i'm living my truth i your truth is your truth that's fine i just am i'm just gonna live my truth that's what the world would invite you to do but the word of god says your word is truth and i want to tell you if you're hurting he is my comfort If you're confused, instead of staying confused, he's my guide. He's going to lead me. He's going to guide me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesakes. If I'm discouraged, he's my hope. If I'm wounded, he's my healer. I'm telling you, if you're anxious, he's my peace. If you're weak, he's my strength. So finally, brothers, whatever's true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and anything that's excellent or praiseworthy, Instead of thinking about all these other things that the news media, that the cycle, that your friends, that are negative influences on your life, that all that stinking thinking that keeps on circling around and that gets a vicious into your actions. Instead, why don't we start focusing on the right things? And I want to tell you, if you make this long list and you try to look for truth or nobility or purity or love anywhere else, I want to tell you the best place to find it. You don't have to go to 10 wells. You don't have to look at 10 books. You, go, you don't even go to a philosophy. You go to a person. Because all of these things aren't philosophical. All of these are personal. And they're all wrapped up in who Jesus is. Jesus is true. Jesus is love. Jesus is admirable. Jesus is excellent. Jesus is praiseworthy. And the more I set my eyes on Jesus, the more he transforms the way that I think. I need that declaration right there.
I'm gonna invite you right at Nacogdoches. If you're watching online, if you're driving right now and listening, don't do this. But I'm gonna invite everybody to stay where you are, but stand where you are. Don't stand if you're driving, that's an impossibility. Janet, stay up here with me. We're just gonna pray together. We're going to give everybody this declaration, this, this page of declarations. And I'm inviting you to pray over these every single day for the next four weeks because of not who you are, not because of who society says you are, but because of who Jesus is, here's what God says about you. Because of who Jesus is, I am alive. I am a child of the King of Kings. I am loved, I am free. I don't worry about it, I pray about it. I will not compare myself. I fight for purity. I am joyful and gentle. I'm peaceful and patient. It may not describe you now, but it is going to describe you in the name of Jesus. I am more than a conqueror. I'm self-controlled and kind. I am mighty in his power. I am the church. I exist for the world. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And Father God, we ask in the mighty name of Jesus that you would do that work from the inside out and that we would do our part to own it, to stand up, And whether we have to look in the mirror, we look out the window, or we look to your word, or we just look up to heaven, or we close our eyes, or eyes wide open, it matters not. It's about how we think, and we know you are good. You are faithful. Your mercies are new every single morning. And so Jesus, we invite you to change us from the inside out. So that we would not be positive just because it's a neat thing to feel but it's because in a world of negativity in a world that's hurting you are calling us to be light in dark places change us one thought at a time in Jesus name and everybody said amen